It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Welcome back to the Cricket Badger Podcast. This is part two of the chat with Paul Smith. If you've come to this one first, then press stop. Go back, find part one, listen to that first, and then move into this one, and uh, it will all make sense. It's a very interesting chat with a very interesting bloke. The former Warwickshire all-rounder joins me to talk about his life, chronicled in the book Wasted 13 years ago. He's writing another one as well, so that's coming out next year, I think, and that's going to be well worth a read too. But he's uh, launching Wasted online for a nominal fee, well worth a purchase if you've not already read that book but let's get into part two really enjoy chatting to paul smith and here's the second part of the cricket badger podcast with paul it's that badger style I would imagine as well as as well as the success stories, and you've obviously kept in touch with a few people there because you just listed a few. The there'll also be some times where it's almost heartbreaking when some people don't turn up the next week and they've fallen back into the life that you were trying to dig, you know drag them out of. Well, that can happen a hundred times. You got to be there for the hundred and first time. You know, yeah. it's um, so you know you will you will be disappointed, and we, you know we've all disappointed people. So I think it's a matter of I don't like to use the term "hang on in there" if you're going to help people. You can't, sometimes you do have to walk away, but that's, that's in a sense that once they get used to you being there, um, you're, you're a, you're a crutch. And that's all right. You are, but they can't become reliant on you being there if they're going to keep behaving like this. Mm. So it's about it. It's, sometimes it's a matter of being cruel to be kind. Um, but you see, my reality is if you keep behaving like this, there's, there's a system and it's called prison. And there's no cruel to be kind there. It's just cruel. And uh, is that what you're actually wanting? Because it's not what people tell you it's going to be like. It's not cool. And if you've ever gone into any prison, they're pretty cold-hearted places. Um, and some people would say they're cold-hearted places for a reason. Quite a lot of innocent people who are in there 
thrown in, in, in the mix. And they're innocent people. And that, you know, so, so to be guilty and knew that if you keep doing this, you're going to get caught. And if you get caught, you're going to go to jail. And that's the, you know, that's the, not the best case scenario because certain people get, um, get death row, depending on what the crime is. You know, and there's some pretty heinous crimes. So no, I don't think you ever really walk away from it. Um, despite the fact that you wish that they hadn't just done that. And, you know, it, it, it's a bit, uh, we've all had situations where people wish we hadn't just done that, but it depends what it is. And I never really saw anyone do anything so bad, uh, not that I was involved in, that I would have thought that's it, I'll never work with them again. Um, because I've seen people do worse, a lot worse. A, a quote from your book. The worst time I remember, there was at a place in Los Angeles called EJ, standing for Execution Jungle, because so many people were okay. killed there. I remember standing there washing cars to help raise the $4,000 we needed to bury a kid we'd coached. There was a real crack in crystal meth territory. That, that's horrible. You're coaching a kid and he dies and you're having to raise money to try and give him a, a decent burial. $4,600. Yeah. The place was Execution Junction. That's where m- more people got shot on that junction. Oh, you know, people going past in cars and opening up. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you see, lots of things like that. I mean, that, you write about one event, but you know, I could, you know, I can talk about, you know, people. A guy called Chester, who was a crip, um, who lived at a place called Dome Village, East Central LA, not far from Skid Row. Skid Row is fifty blocks. People don't really understand how big blocks is, but it's full of homeless people. Chester, um to different places and he because he was sat on the bar stool on the wrong side of the bar a guy walked up behind him and he was talking to a girl and the guy shot him straight in the face and the bullet came straight out the back of his neck and um embedded in the, in the back of the stool that he was sat on so you know guns are everywhere you know that's an example where you're trying to raise money to find a young one uh, in the ground you know there's a lot you know there's a lot of fundraising um, I don't understand why, I'm mean, happy to change the subject completely, Jeffrey Boycott auctions off a whole load of stuff at Christie's for air ambulance. I don't understand why our taxes don't pay for air ambulances. You know, I don't understand why in America people have to wash cars to raise money to bury kids or to feed kids or to do this or do that. I, I, when I first arrived in America, I thought, well, this is the superpower. Show me what you got. And in many ways, it disappointed you so much. But you've got 300 million people there. That's only the ones that they know about. You could probably add on another 30 million at least. Washing cars, find very kids. That might seem a bit extreme, but, you know, I could take you, tell you, talk to you about situations in townships in South Africa that were even worse than that. Well, to t- give me an example of that. Having to talk to a woman whose, whose son has just been necklaced. So they put a tie around your head and open oh. shoulders and fire to it, um, and you burn to death whilst people watch it. Uh, you know, and, and how are you going to bury that? You know, and it's not as if you're in a rich country, you're in South Africa and anyone, and all the wealth is in a, in a, in a 1% category. Um, it's not as if people are going to turn up in an ambulance and take you to a hospital or a morgue or this, that, and the other. It's just a carcass that's lying at the side of the road, smoulders, and a mother seeing that and realizing it was her own son. Pretty harsh, yeah. And, and other, and other things in South America, you know, where 35,000 people disappeared from Buenos Aires. You know, during the military regime, and, and when I when I got to Buenos Aires, we finished fighting the Falklands War, 
and that was pretty hostile and there were some pretty terrible situations that arose there. But, you know, 35,000 mothers who lost their children because their children didn't agree with what the government were doing and the government and the military. So they just drugged them down and put them on, on aeroplanes, took them 35,000 feet up in the air and dropped them in the Atlantic. Try talking to the mothers of those children and they called the disappears. You know, they only found out later what happened to their kids and it took them two decades. That's, yeah, yeah, that's horrible, isn't it? But, you know, that's the, the, that's the education that sport gave me. You know, I hunted that. And, you know, I could take, take it to other countries in South America where some pretty, you know, if these things happened in London or New York or whatever, you know, there'd be absolute uproar. But these things were common coin in other countries. Bodylinet-shirts.com. Browse the finest collection of cricketing T-shirts on the web. Hundreds of original cricket designs for cricket players and fans alike, featuring everyone and everything from Larwood to Leach and Cow Corner to Chin Music at BodylineT-shirts.com. And you can get 10% off your first order using the code BADGER at checkout. BodylineT-shirts.com. T-shirts for the discerning cricket fan. What was it that brought you back to the UK from, from America? I was asked to, first of all, my kids, mm. um, because I, was, I, I thought I was going to get a chance to see my kids again. Uh, plus also, I was asked to, because of the work I'd been involved in, and this was over a long period of time, it wasn't just the stuff I'd done in America. Because of the stuff I'd done in South Africa, and that was apartheid based and dismantling of apartheid based and the feedback that of, from that work, what the outcomes had been, in South Africa, because that's a different thing again. I've started to deliver sessions for the Princess Trust. So you're working with UK-based teenagers or anything from sort of 16 up to about mid-20s, I suppose. Um, and it was a pretty similar sort of audience. They would think it was a pretty similar sort of audience, but because I'd worked in places like Compton, you know, they were gobsmacked because they, they were told that there's a guy who's got a background in professional cricket coming in to give a talk or to spend a day with you in the classroom tomorrow. And I would walk in and I wasn't a blazer, you know, and I didn't wear a tracksuit, but I, I knew an awful lot about things that they knew an awful lot about. And I'd actually had my, you know, I'd been up to my throat in it, whereas they only knew about it and having read about it online. Mm. So the, the audience capturing that audience was not difficult. My job was to ask them, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? What year was it you returned to the UK? Um, I returned to the UK every year for, um, for gee, about seven years. Um, but I really, really, when I thought the, the, the first summer where I thought I'm going to be back here for a while was the 2005 Ashes series where I did some work for the ECB as well. So, yeah, it was then. So, you know, having not seen hardly any cricket for a long period of time, I walked into that summer of that Ashes series where it was all over the shop. The, the reason I ask is because there's a quote from your book. In 2014, I would rather be sitting in a park in the middle of Compton than at Edgebuston at some 20th anniversary dinner of Warwickshire's treble season. Were you at the dinner? It was the 25th. But to be fair, but to be fair, I wasn't going to go, and I can't really, can't really talk about why I couldn't, why I didn't really want to go. Um, although I think I'll probably touch on it in the book I'm writing at the moment. Uh, that was a pretty humbling um, occasion because last summer, it was last August, yeah. um, there were something like 90 people who'd played cricket for Warwickshire were all in the room together. And, you know, anyone from Jasper Carrot to, you know, there were some big names 
who were big Warwickshire supporters. So people from captains of industry to people that you'd know off the television, the people you know from music, um, they were there to honour us. Uh, and it was also to, you know, honour 100, 150 years of cricket at Edgebaston or something like that. That was pretty humbling. You know, we sat on a, we sat on a, we had a table of 10. There was Gladstone, Ian Bell, myself, Neil Smith. Or, you know, there were, there were a lot of players scattered around the room. Um, I've got no problem sitting, you know, sitting at, sitting in a, um, sitting in the park in Compton. It was, you know, it would be that in a way, that's almost like what, how life has been. It's, you know, sort of a life of extremes, but often a, a place you never thought you were going to be. What, what, yeah. make, what makes it humbling to sit in a room with Warwickshire teammates? past and present what, what what was it that was the emotion there on that particular night yeah well it's quite emotional in the sense that up until about two hours before i walked in the room i wasn't going and then i got a phone call and i thought i've got to go and yet for the previous three months where everyone had said to me smithy you've got to go if anyone's going to go you got to go because you know we had so much fun and sometimes people remember the fun more than how good you may have been at cricket um so, you know, it was a funny it was a funny sort of day. You know, for people to talk about something that you've been part of and, and what it meant to them and how you may have inspired them or we may have inspired them. Um, you know, that's nice. I think it was more a case of the fact that I didn't think I was gonna go and then I ended up being being picked up and driven there and then walking into an event that it was that it had already started. Um and trying to sneak in through the back, if you like, to try and be anonymous, which was a bit daft. So yeah, it was very good. The club, the club did absolutely fantastically. Um, uh, Neil Snowball, who was the chief executive at that time, he, you know, he must get a big thank you for that because he was he was all for it. So yeah, you know, what happened in 1994 and a, and a dinner that took place in 2019. That's great. That you know what we did so so many years back that still remembers. You know, I remember that just as much as I remember being sat in a park in Compton or many, many things that, you know, took place in, in, in many cities all around the world, really. When you talk about people remembering the fun times you had off the pitch and there sounds as, you know, reading in between the lines, it sounds like there's quite a few of those. That's what it's all about, though, team sport, isn't it? You know, I mean, scoring a century or taking a five for wins a match and that's what you pay to do and that's fantastic, but... Being there with your teammates, whatever level, whether it's club cricket or whatever, going down the pub afterwards or doing whatever you do afterwards and being there with mates that you would run through a brick wall for in various capacities is, is what it's all about, isn't it? I think it is. I think that, you see, we're lucky in the sense that we found a sport called cricket. Some people find football. Some people find, you know, uh, soccer. Some people find ice hockey. Some people find religion. We, find, we just happen to find something called cricket. And it taught us many things, brought us many friends, uh, put us into safe environments, despite the fact that we play with a rock-hard ball. Uh, so if you can play a sport and be in a team where you can have a lot of fun, it's going to be hard work because you're going to have to stand on your feet for the next two and a half hours. And, and if you play it professionally, you're going to have to do it for two hours, three times a day. And if you bowl, you're going to have to bowl your guts out and then still stand on your feet. You can't be subbed. Um, so, you know, you're going to have to want to do it and you're not going to, you know, you're going to have to not want to let your teammates down and you have to play for a purpose. Some of it's very social. I can relate to that 100%. Um, I'd like to think that we play professional sport at a time where we possibly were the last generation of people where we could do it the old way, where if we got, if we lost, we could drink the fixture back. 
you know, and that's alien to a lot of people now. But, you know, there's a lot of people who were pretty precious about how others' lives are, you know, perceived to be lived. Um, but, yeah, we were, you know, we are lucky. We are lucky. It doesn't matter what standard you play. If you can, you know, you know, play play sport with people who or engage with people who you have a lot of things in common with, it's all part of your education and it makes it more fun. Getting back to your book, which, as we say, is going to be republished online, uh, online and available to download. One line in this review, um, it's not so much kiss and tell as kiss. Have casual sex, get stoned, drunk, divorced, unemployed, homeless, penniless, and tell. And it would make Dorian Gray blush. Is it that open and honest and frank? You missed a few things off there. <laughs> well, not, not from what I was reading, but I, I guess you can, you can add them in now. It's 1%. A lot of people, when I wrote the book, certain people said cricket hasn't seen the light. It's not a book written about cricket. It's a, it's a book written through a guy who played professional sport, and it's a book of life. And it gives you some examples of the sort of the, of uh, things that you know you see through your journey, and everyone's journey is different. And I spoke about certain things that other people had never talked about before. You know, kiss and tell. I wouldn't go with that because kiss and tell would be naming people left, right and center. And, mm-hmm. and, and if you name people left, right and center, then you can almost write your own check. It is a book. What it is. I wrote a book for an audience that wouldn't normally buy a book written by someone with my background in the, in the, in the hope that if the people who would buy a book like wasted, if they bought it as well, we'd sell twice as many books and it sold considerably more than that and came second in the Sunday times book of the year award to me it was fairly obvious you do what the people are least expecting um and so you know and say there it is make of it what you want you know an artist you know he sits in a studio and he and he makes his painting and then he puts it in front of an audience and says what do you reckon they don't know what's coming so if you write a book they don't know what's coming um and if it's done with the right intent um that book in 2020 particularly in this climate of COVID-19 and mental health and people who are struggling in, in, in many areas of life, that book is more relevant now than it was when I wrote it. It was seen as groundbreaking at the time, whereas now it's everyday life. The book I'm writing now, which hopefully will be out this time next year, you know, takes it one step further. Obviously, the mental health side of things is is, is huge, but... I was thinking, I mean, I saw, you sent me, I think, a piece that you'd written about Alex Hales. It was a, a kind of almost like an open letter to him, wasn't it, about advice on, on his situation. Um, yeah. You know, thing, things don't change, do they? Um, a lot of things are very, you know, very current. I mean, I, I said to you on the phone yesterday when we were chatting that you were 20 years ahead of your time, really, because all of these things are, are as current now as they were when you were experiencing them. Does cricket need to almost kind of reshape itself with, with things like that? Or do you think cricket's doing a really good job with mental health and, and how it deals with people that fall victim to drug abuse and what have you? I think cricket is, I think the people who are within cricket care uh, and they understand that there is an obligation to look after the people who play. If you use someone like Alex Hales, for example, so he got caught, and I won't, use the, I won't name the drug that he was caught uh, within his system, but he was, you know, you know, he was caught twice, I think. But the difference between me and him is that I got banned effectively for two years where Alex would have been banned for two weeks and would still have played in that World Cup had it not leaked that he'd failed a two drugs test. Now, how you handle that, the question is, who leaked it? Confidentiality on personal issues 
for public people. And it's not, we're talking about a public life here as a professional sportsman. I think the key to it is sometimes in life, you only get one chance to have a conversation with someone. And I always harp back to when Bob Woolman became our best coach, became our coach, and he turned around in the very first meeting and said, if I can make you 5% better people, you'll automatically become better cricketers. And I remember thinking, wow, no one's ever said anything like that to us. But it was so true. So I think the key to it is the, the people who look after players, the people who run the sport, the people who are the carers, if you like, whatever you, you know, whatever tag you want to put on them. As long as they are the right people for the job and they ask the right questions, then that's great. But rarely, maybe rarely is a bit critical, they don't always get it right. And sometimes you only get the, you only get one chance to have that conversation. Um, and if you get it right, you change the person's life. So I'd always say to you, do you think you're the right person to go and see that person? Do you think you're the right person to pick up the phone? Do you think you're the right person to word this hugely important email? You know, the way that you approach certain conversations, the way that you address issues that are arising are everything. You can't come from the same angle the whole time. Because mm. if you get you it know, wrong, people, if, you, if you get it wrong, you can, you can really mess it up, can't you? Well, cricket has more suicides than any other sport. So there's one fact for you. And, and people commit suicide 10 years after something had a major impact on their life and they live with it for a period of time and they can't take it no more. You know, the, the, if you engage with people and you care, then you do everything you possibly can. That's all I would say if you're talking to people, if they, if you, you know that they have an issue. I was lucky in the sense that when I was a kid, I knew that my mom and dad had my hand. And when they weren't there, they had my back. I knew that. Not everyone has that. And when I felt that I'd lost that, that's when my issues really came to the surface. So the reasons why people fall um, can be many. Uh, sometimes people know the reasons that someone's struggling but choose to ignore it. Um, that's the worst example of a human. So if you care and, you, and you're looking after people who have a public life, and that, you know, that's hard because people know whether you've had a, a poor day today with your bat or with your ball or whether you've just lost a game for your team or whatever it would be. You know, it's not a great position to be in. It's great if you score 100 or get a hat-trick, um, but those are few and far between. <clears throat> so you've got to be pretty tough to play um, and you've got to be pretty tough in protecting of those performers who are in a, a spotlight. I think, I mean, social media's probably made it 10 times worse, but the the thing I always think with, with people, and you see comments about people that they don't know, and cricketers are human beings, they've got things going around inside their heads just like everybody else, haven't they? And the same in any sport, in any walk of life. And it's very easy to cast a judgment on somebody from two sentences in a newspaper or a, a 10 second clip on YouTube when really that person's got a huge amount going on in, in their life that you don't know about. There you go. You know, and, and sort of, I think sometimes, you know, it's a, it's a matter of on reflection, would you have said that? Uh, well, why did you say that? You know, <laughs> what's the benefit of saying that? Um, well, I, I, I'll, I'll give you an example, Paul. Sam Smith, the singer, he did something yesterday. He talked about, he's, um, uh, what's the phrase for it? The um, not sexual. I can't, I can't even remember the, the phrase for it. But he was talking about being a mother. And the outcry on, on I looked at it on Twitter, and the out, he was trending on Twitter. And there were all these people saying, oh, he's doing this again and this and, 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 and criticising him. And from my point of view, he's a human being just trying to be happy. Who cares? But you see, level, people love an opinion, don't they? And I think that's the, um, sometimes that's the problem. 
you know, sometimes it's better off sort your own life out rather than commenting on other people's lives. But people love a chat. You've never stopped that. It's always been the case. Uh, and the world's not better for it. Um, so if you help your fellow man, you know, if one person did one more good act per day, we've got a little bit better chance of turning this world around. If people don't do it, it will only go one way. Mm. So if we really care, people would help each other. Um, but it's not common. Um, and, you know, the support systems um, are in place, but it doesn't mean that they hide faults. And one would be the fact that a Premier League footballer is doing everything he possibly can to make sure the kids eat through the school holiday where the government sit on billions um, and get their food on a on a on a, redu- on a reduced fee if they eat in the House of Commons. Yeah. Um, and if they get cheap booze as well, which yeah. we, or we pay for. And they accuse so, Marcus Rashford of being a, a virtue signalling. At the end of the day, the, the kid's trying to do what he can, and he's got a platform, and it's good for him. Exactly, um, exactly. I mean, it'd be, it's, it's, you, you'd be better off accusing people that aren't doing anything that have his profile, rather than actually attacking the people that are trying to do good with the profile. It's, it well, makes no sense. Know. But you see, that there's a lot of people who you wouldn't want with you in trenches, yeah? Yeah. Um, and and often the people you wouldn't want with you in the trenches are the people with the loudest mouths. So, you know, if it, you know, and you know, people love a chat. People love an opinion. Um, you know, sometimes it's more important to actually, you know, call out the person who is doing all the crit- criticizing. You know, and 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 have public debate. I mean, here we are. The Piers Morgan's been trying to get Boris Johnson to appear on breakfast television for the last six months, hasn't he? Mm. Uh, but Boris won't go um, because there'll be some searching questions asked. You know, the, you would say that t- they were two intelligent men um, in positions of strength because of their jobs. Some people say they're not that bright. Some people say they're attention-seeking whatevers. I think the the, the, the important thing is, is if you're going to have debate, if you're going to tweet, if you're going to ask questions, make sure they're the right ones um, and not just something that is filling up column centimetres the the word that Paul Weaver just getting back to the um, the article he wrote on you and and just to round off Paul and thanks for talking to me again today he he makes the he uses the word redemption about you um, when you were working in Los Angeles did you feel that you needed to be redeemed uh, what did I need to be redeemed um, no, I didn't think I needed to be redeemed at all I needed no. to sort my stuff. Uh, it's not a great time of life. I got offered an opportunity. Not many people were taking that opportunity because it didn't make sense and it didn't make commercial sense. It didn't make sense, but it sounded like a hell of a journey. I thought I'm in. Um, so, yeah, but you know, if it hadn't been Los Angeles, it would have been somewhere else. It's just that I was so lucky that it was Los Angeles. And bear in mind, I've been to Los Angeles before, and I've never done the um, Tommy Touristy bit. So, you know, uh, uh, Disneyland would bore the pants off me. Um, as with any coach journeys going past famous people's houses, you know, I was lucky in the sense that I knew people who worked in different fields, movies, music, and you know, I, I saw a lot of things before I ever met Ted and Katie. So, you know, when I when I went to when Katie said, "Will you come to LA and try and put some meat on the bones?" sort of thing, it was a, it was a great opportunity. I knew that you could write a book about every day, mm. certain days. You know, and whether I was with a cricket team or whether I was in LA with a girl who worked in the music industry or whatever it would be. Redemption, Paul Weaver writing about my redemption in a place like LA. Um, I think I needed to do good work. I needed to roll my sleeves up. uh, And that was going to be a great place to maybe start the ball rolling. 
you know, and, 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 it, and it did in many ways. And to this day, I speak to Katie and Ted, who's, uh, who's protesting on the beach. Anyone who's anyone in America who's listening to this, uh, go to Venice Beach and tell Ted Hayes what a good job he's doing for his fellow citizens because he, 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 you know, he's on the beach in uh, Venice in Southern California there um, for Black Lives Matter. I'm sort of putting the, the matter straight. You probably have a, a megaphone, um, but his background of helping people stems over 40 years. He was he was paid. Marvin Gaye sponsored Ted, allowed him to live in his um, garden house at the bottom of his garden in Crenshaw. So Ted lived at the bottom of Marvin's house, and Marvin paid you know his overheads in this part of the city for that and encouraged him. So if you listen to the song, the song "What's Going On." Which was early 70s, 72, something like that. Part of that, part of that, you could say, is about the life of Ted Hayes. So to work with Ted and to speak to Ted to this day, privilege, greatest education he'll ever have, and it was a sport called cricket that brought us together. That's fantastic. I, th- I think I think I've seen a few videos with Ted Hayes over the last uh, few months. He's still uh, still doing his thing, as you say. Yeah, really interesting well, fella. They could do a lot. They could do a lot, a lot more than than listen to him because. He's right, um, and I've seen that he's right. I've seen him give talks. I've seen him go and solve problems that, that very few people could. He's very, very bright, not in other people's interests to broadcast how much good work that Ted does. Ted has to do all the work, and he's never stopped doing it. But the key thing about it is he knows so many people within communities. The network is good, so if you give him some support from government level with all the contacts he's got, you turn a generation of kids around. Paul Smith, it's been an absolute joy to have you on the Cricket Badger podcast for a second time. Just to uh, remind listeners, your book Wasted, how can they get it and, and when will it be available for them? Well, the book Wasted, with a big question mark at the end of it, will go online probably in the next two or three weeks. So watch this space in terms of them. You'll start to see it advertised online, I'm sure, and it's a download. It's not a million dollars. And as I said, I think, we think, that it's more relevant in 2020 than when I first started writing it and it went to print. Well, the third time you come on the Cricket Badger podcast, hopefully, I'm going to come down to Birmingham and I'm going to take you to a pub. We'll set up the recording gear in the corner of a pub. I'll buy you a couple of beers and we'll have a proper chat face-to-face when COVID allows. But until that time, thanks for being on the podcast today, Paul. Thank you very much. Have a good day. It's that Badger style. Thank you very much indeed to Paul Smith for joining me on the Cricket Badger podcast for the second time. Hope you enjoyed that, listen, as much as I enjoy talking to him. I find him fascinating and a really good bloke as well. Well, keep an eye out on his Twitter page, at Paul Smith Author, because the book Wasted is going to be issued again online, and as Paul says in this interview, as current and as valid today as it was 13 years ago. Mental health, drug addiction, etc. is all very, very relevant today, particularly in these COVID times. Please like, subscribe and leave a nice comment about the Cricket Badger podcast if you have some time. And thank you to BodylineTshirts.com, MoonriseSports.com and Manscaped.com for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. It's been a pleasure bringing you this one. Keep in touch with the IPL dailies as we go through the rest of that tournament. I've been James Butler, I am the Cricket Badger and I'll see you again soon. Podcast Network. 
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.